something great about the day here. It's wonderful weather for a Sunday afternoon, swelling the crowd even further. And as mentioned, it's by no means one way here the support. Benfica have a tremendous following. I think that surprises many of us who visit every year for the International Champions Cup actually just how well supported they are across the United States. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 52 of Mr. Benfica. It is the one-year anniversary of Mr. Benfica. That's right, one year ago this week, episode 1 dropped February the 15th of 2019 to be exact. I sit here recording tonight on February the 17th of 2020. And um, for the first time... In the life of this podcast, really, Benfica have fallen on some hard times. That's right, hard times. Well, we got three games to talk about in this episode, and I wish uh, it was going to be a happier conversation, but there is a silver lining, of course. Benfica are through to the Portuguese Cup final at the Jamor. They will be facing, once again, Football Clube do Porto at the Jamor. We assume some people... uh, some people up north don't seem to like that idea. Uh, there's there's doubts as to whether or not the facility can actually host um, a match with you know this level of security risk, first of all, and with the amount of demand for tickets. But, uh, hell, it, it, it's got to be there. That's where the final is played. You don't take the final out of Jamor just because the babies up north don't like it. All right, so with that said... Um, of course, we'll get to the Braga match, which uh, was heartbreaking, to be honest with you. And um, we'll get into that in this episode this week. Benfica now stand top of the table still, but with just a one-point lead. How quickly things change, how quickly things have turned around in the Liga Nage. But, hey, that's why you play the games. That's why it ain't over until it's over. Too many of us... We're ready to shoot Fugitsch into the air just two weeks ago. You know, yes, we were robbed at the Dragon. The last episode, I went I went through that in, in you know, in infinite detail. Um, and a big shout out to everyone who downloaded the pod last week. That was our best one week performance in the history of this podcast. So that is a good way to ring in one year of podcasts. Episode 52. Somehow, I managed to average an episode a week, despite having taken long lapses at different times in this, in these 52 weeks. But there you go, one year to the day almost, and fi- episode 52 drops right here. So this this uh, this episode, the first part of this episode tonight, will be about the two matches with uh, with Family Count. That was all this episode was going to be about. But then Saturday happened. I was going to try to get this episode in Friday night. I could not because I had to be up early Saturday for work. Uh, I was thinking about doing it Saturday night, but then after Saturday's match played out, um, I I would not be able to sit here and just talk to you about Fumbly Co and pretend that, that I didn't already know the result of the Braga match, and therefore I have rolled it into one. I do not like covering more than one match per episode. Um, however, there's three to talk about tonight. So the two matches with Family Cone, we're going to go through kind of quickly. Um, we'll just get a general overview 
and we will then go to Braga or to the Stadio de Luz, and we will review in a in a bit greater depth the match with Braga. All right, so sit right there. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu, and you can find me on Twitter at Benfica Mister. You can find me on Instagram at Mr. Benfica, on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica, and also don't forget to check out the new website, MrBenfica.com. Right, I haven't put anything up there new yet. This week, my goal is to get a scouting report up for Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, currently researching that, hoping to get that up by the time the Europa League match kicks off on a Thursday. So stay tuned to MrBenfica.com and uh, we will get right into it. We're going to have the news on the other side of Reconquista. So stay right there after we pay this bill. This is Mr. Benfica. Jornada sofrida, a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós Carregas sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho O vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que eu não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica And in the news, this week for the week ending February the 21st Here is the news for Benfica Nation And the biggest news right off the top it is my man, Gabriel, that's right, and I won't be saying that uh, much more this season, unfortunately, as we have lost Gabriel for the season. I am going to read the press release that Benfica put out. Here's the English version. Um, this was put out on Wednesday, which would have been February the... as my calendar pulls up would have been February the 12th, Wednesday, February the 12th. Uh, this 
this uh, press release came out. And it says, this Wednesday, Benfica issued a statement in which it clarifies Gabriel's injury and informs that there is no return date for the Luso-Brazilian midfielder. It says, barred from playing in the last two challenges for the Eagles against AFC Porto and against Fumalicão at the time for the Portuguese Cup. Gabriel will remain off the pitch indefinitely. Number eight, a regular option for Brunelage has paresis of the sixth left cranial pair with a limitation of abduction, which conditions dipoplasia. Now, I'm not a doctor, so please excuse me for the medical terms. And imagine reading this in Portuguese as I did at first. I had to... uh, I was fortunate enough to find this in English at a website, and um, I wish I could give the credit to that website, but it was um, I did find it when I Google searched it. I found an English translation, which made it much easier. I'll explain what this is to the best of my ability in just a moment, but I'm going to finish reading the statement as um, the club went on to say, Our player Gabriel presented the first complaints related to his vision the day after Benfica formally come at the Stadio de Luz of the Portuguese Cup. He decided to do all the examinations and tests recommended according to the clinical picture presented by the player, being nowadays more serious scenarios away. Not sure that's a bad translation. Not exactly sure what that is supposed to mean there, but um, I think what it means is that due to clinical uh picture presented by the player and that nowadays these things are taken more seriously I think than in in, in past. Thus it says Gabriel has paresis of the sixth left cranial pair with limited abduction which conditions dipoplia, high competition and it can be read in the statement issued and you can find it online if you want to read it but it does quickly give a Brief, what is paresis of the sixth left cranial pair? According to Emanuel MSD, the paresis of the sixth left cranial pair affects the lateral rectus muscle, impairing the abduction of the eye. The affected eye is unable to rotate outward fully and is able to deviate inward when the person looks straight ahead. Such anomaly resolves regardless whether the cause is identified or not. As for treatment in many patients, remission of the sixth cranial nerve palsies occurs. Since the underlying disorder is treated in general, there is a remission of idiopathic paralysis and an ischemic paralysis within two months. Now, I have no idea what that means. I'm going to be honest with you. So I, I texted this to my wife. My wife is a mental health professional and much more familiar with the human brain than I am. And even she was quite confused as to exactly what this is. But she said that the the sixth left cranial pair is the part portion of the brain that controls vision. And she says that um, there's nerve damage likely nerve damage that is not allowing the eye to abduct okay which means to rotate outward as the description says basically he's seeing vision because there is some nerve damage in the message going from the brain to the 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 eye and um it should heal itself within two months is what that 
long statement about remission means. Um, but the player is going to be, you know, treated. And in some cases, this requires, you know, laser surgery of some sort. In some cases, this is a sign of a much deeper problem. So I'm very, very concerned for the man, Gabriel, much more than the player. The player will be fine. Um, I'm worried about the human being behind the player, you know. Um, he's a father. He's a husband. And he's a family man. And obviously his wife and his son want him around for a long long time so hopefully whatever the cause is of this it is treated and it is cured um in a keep you know hopeful that this is nothing serious um but gabriel in the freakest of injuries will not take part most likely in any more football this year also in the news courtesy of abala the fpf announces the date and time for the Portuguese Cup final. And as it reads here in Portuguese, it says a Federação Portuguesa de Futebol anunciou já a data e a hora da final da Taça de Portugal que será disputada entre Benfica e Futebol Clube do Porto. The, the Portuguese Football Federation announced already a date and a, and a time for the final of the Portuguese Cup, which will be played between Benfica and Porto. Como habitualmente, no estádio, do, o estádio Nacional, a partida será realizada a 24 de maio, domingo, com início marcado às 17h15. In English, that is, as usual, the final will be, as is custom, the final will be played at the National Stadium at the Jamor, as we call it, and the match will be played on the 24th of May, a Sunday, with kickoff scheduled for 5.15 p.m., 5.15 in the afternoon, or 17.15 for those of you in Europe, as you say it. Um, it is the 37th, uh, 37th appearance for Benfica in this final, where it was we were last in the final in 2017, where we were victorious over Vitória Guimarães, while Porto returned to the Jamor one year after their last uh, appearance, their 31st appearance a year ago, where they were beaten by Sporting on penalty kicks. Befica look to win their record 26th Portuguese Cup on May the 24th. More regarding the Portuguese Cup final, and this comes also from Abola, and it says this is the headline in Portuguese: Dragões elegem que final no quote. Quote unquote, Estádio Doeiras está ferida na verdade desportiva. Translation The Dragons, Porto, alleged that the final, and they're intentionally sending a message by calling the stadium the, the Oeiras Stadium. They refuse, they are intentionally omitting the word national. They don't want to call it the National Stadium. It's located in Oeiras. They're calling it the Oeiras Stadium because this goes back to the 1983 Cup Final, where Porto managed to get the Cup Final moved to the Estadio uh, de Zantes, the Porto's previous home before the Dragon was built in 2004. So this comes courtesy of their own newsletter, Dragões Diário, or the Diary of the Dragons. Porto allege that the final uh, of the Portuguese Cup is wounded in <laughs> Verdade Desportiva in, sp 
sporting uh, truth, I guess is how it translates. And basically what they're saying, and this is all the work of that moron, Jota Mensch, uh, Jota Marx, excuse me. Uh, he's saying, in consequence of the qualification of Benfica, que no and oh, excuse me, e não como seria justo o Famalicão. So he's saying this is a consequence of the qualification of Benfica and not what would have been the fair result, Famalicão. Load a bull from that club up north. And they're already playing the mind games. I don't know why the Federation allows this kind of garbage to spew out of any clubs and official newsletters. You don't see this in England. You don't see this in Germany. You don't even see this in Italy. Okay, but in Portugal, everything is fair game in the press. They go on to say, and here in Portuguese it says, Afinal, do estádio do de Oeiras só acontece aqui há mais de três meses, mas tanta distância já está ferida na verdade desportiva. O adversário do Futebol Clube do Porto será o Benfica e não, como seria justo, o Famalicão. Os encarnados, recorda-se, beneficiaram de vários erros graves de arbitragem para se qualificar. Okay, I can't even read the rest of this because it's such a bullshit. And I have, now I have to put the... the exp- I now have to... I can't call this a clean, a clean edition, but I don't care. That is utter bullshit from our rivals up north. Okay, what it says is that the final at the Oedish Stadium, as they, you know, insultingly call it, only happens is only happening from you know three months from now, but with so much distance, it, it um, our adversary Porto's adversary will be Benfica and not as it should have been Fumley Cone as the just winner would have been Fumley Cone. It says the Reds remember were <laughs> benefited from various <laughs> referee various grave referee errors. To qualify, which I think is hilarious because those pieces of shit qualified <laughs> on a BS penalty kick. And I do not normally talk like this. I don't like to talk like this. Now I got to put an explicit uh, content label on this episode, but they don't. They qualify with referees' help. They win the way they won in the Classico, in the league. This is an intentional trolling from that moron Jota Marks who shouldn't even be allowed to hold that position anymore. He's nothing but a troll. And yes, I'm falling for it. And unfortunately, it's created this climate where if you're Benfica, you have no no, no choice but to respond and to hurl your own insults back because otherwise they're just going to keep piling them on. They go on to say they, they beat Santa Clara on a BS offside goal that their own coach you know, acknowledged was offside in earlier rounds. They play Valtudo. They had a, a a scissor kick to the back of Tiago Cardoso's head. The guy was bleeding from a boot of a Porto player. And these idiots want to go to the press and say that Befica are only there because of the referees. Go screw yourselves. Every single one of you Porto bitches. Go. Ugh. Okay, I have to stop. That's not the way I talk. They go on to say, blah, blah, blah. Gabriel should have been should have been sent off. Yeah, whatever. They, uh, you know, I, listen, 
What happened this weekend at, I, I guess I do need to talk about this before we go too far. What happened this weekend at the Guimarães Stadium at the Don Alfonso Henrique was a, an embarrassment to all Portuguese, okay? Musa Marega did not deserve to be treated that way. Nobody deserves to be treated the way he was by those fans. I don't care if he played for you. I don't care if he taunted you. I don't care what the reasoning is. Racism is never justified. With that said, anything there is few other things I will feel sorry for that can happen to that team. You, well, you know, it, it, I... Don't feel sorry for them. I feel sorry for the man, Marega. I feel nothing for the club, Football Club do Porto. Frutabal Club do Porto. Corruptos. I feel nothing for them. So, again, nobody deserves the treatment he got. And that goes without saying. But anything else that comes their way, you're not going to get any sympathy from me. Football Club de Porto. All right. Benfica responded, and this turns to be the gossip hour. Benfica responded the next day on the 13th of February, a ball printed, courtesy of News Benfica. And they said basically what I did. Já não chegou o golo como que o Santa Clara foi eliminado nos oitavos de final. Wasn't it enough the way Santa Cla the goal that eliminated Santa Clara in the round of 16 is what that says. Benfica go on to remind Porto that they were benefited of the referee. And they remind Porto that what we're seeing right now in terms of Porto Colo is back to the, the low points it was in the 80s and 90s. It's an absolute embarrassment what this club gets away with. And they should not be able to get away with any of this. And they should be punished much more severely for everything they do. And they get away with everything. Moving on. Your UEFA Youth League. Benfica will face Liverpool in the round of 16. They will play either on March the 3rd or March the 4th. And it looks like the, ma the match will be played at Seychelles. And while we're on, youth, while we're on the youth team... Uh, the Wall Street Journal one week ago, the American financial uh, newspaper, the Wall Street Journal included Benfica in their article, Europe's most efficient player factories are in Portugal, led by youth academies like Benfica's, a country of 10 million people wastes no talent. Uh, you get some, you get comments from Pedro Marques, one of Benfica's youth academy directors, and they outline some statistics and some facts about player exportation out of Portugal and player development in the Portuguese academies with Benfica, of course, leading the way. An interesting fact is that Portugal, a country of just 10.3 million, uh, the defending European champions, currently have 292 professional players in 45 countries abroad beyond its borders in comparison to Italy, a proud soccer nation with, ten, with six times as many people 
as Portugal only has 105 professional players abroad, according to the CIFS Football Observatory. All right, let's get into the modalidades. It's been a long segment, but let's get into the modalidades, and I'm just going to run off results from this past weekend. Women's basketball, Benfica 71, Gifonj 55, 18th round of the national championship. Women's hockey, CA Feda 2, Benfica 9, 18th round of the national championship of women's hockey. Benfica B in football, men's football, 2, Cova de Piedad, nil. That's in the Skunda Liga. Benfica women, with they advance in the cup. They're on to the semifinals. They win 11-2 at home to Amora. We've got women's futsal. Pavoense nil, Benfica nine, quarterfinal of the Portuguese Cup. Women's handball, Colégio de Gaia 31, Benfica 26. That was the 19th round of the national championship. And we've got men's hockey. I'm sorry, more women's hockey. This was from earlier in the weekend. It was Clube de Hockey de Carvalhos 2, Benfica 9. They continue unbeaten in Portugal in over 1,000 consecutive match days now, I should say. Some 240 or so straight games. Um, we go to men's hockey, and you have SKG Herringen 3, Benfica 4. That's in match day 5, Group C of the European League, the Euro League. Men's handball, Benfica 29, MT Melsungen 26. That's the second match day in the EHF Cup in handball. Basketball, men's basketball, Benfica victorious 131 to 69 at Taseda Basket. That's the 20th round of the Liga Placard. Men's volleyball loses a set this time in the national championship. They're one of their first sets dropped all year domestically, but Benfica win three sets to one. Uh, it would be 19-25, 22-25, 25-22, were the scores, respectfully. And men's football, men's futsal will close it out. Um, they will win 3-0 on the road at Quinta de Lobos in the round of 16 of the Portuguese Cup. Let's quickly move to the Liga Nage scores for this week. Round 21 in the Liga Nage started off on Friday, the 14th of February, and it was Vitoria Stubal 1, Gil Vicente 2, Portimonense 1, Moreirense 1, Santa Clara 1, Tondela 0, Benfica 0, Braga 1, Rio Ave 1, Sporting Lisboa 1, on Sunday, Bovista 1, Blanish Saad, a.k.a. Code City 2, Maritimo 3-0, winners at home in Madeira over Passos de Ferreira, Vitoria Guimarães 1, Football Club de Porto 2 in that game with the embarrassing display um, directed towards Moasa Marega. And closing the round, Famalicão 1, Desportivo das Aves 1. Famalicão continues their skid. All right, that is the news. A little bit long this week. Sorry about that, but that is the news for this week. On the other side, we'll get right in to... The Portuguese Cup semifinals. We got two legs to talk about Benfica and Famalicão.
And so we start our three-match journey tonight on Tuesday, February the 4th, 2020. We're at the Stadio de Luge, and it's Benfica and Famalicão, the first leg of the Portuguese Cup semifinal. Uh, here are the 11. We start with, with Famalicão. In goal, it is Vana. The left back is Coley. The center back pairing, Patrick William and Riccielli. And the right back is Ivo Pinto. Midfielders, they they have the left mid, Fabio Martins. The left center mid, Pedro Gonçalves. The center defensive mid is Gustavo Assunção. And the right center mid is Racic. On the right side of midfield, down the right flank, is Diogo Gonçalves, the on-loan Benfica player. And the lone striker up front is Tony Martinez. Benfica would start with this 11. And to some people's surprises, and fortunately so, uh, Bruno Lage rolls out Odiseus Vlacodimos, or Odi, in goal. The left back is Grimaldo. The center backs are Jardel and Ruben Dias. And Andre Almeida is the right back. In the four in midfield, Cherdvi on the left, uh, Tarapt and Gabriel in the center with Pizzi down the right. And up front, it is Chiquinho partnering with Seferovic. All right, so a couple of changes, as you know. This game fell right between uh, Benfica's two league matches. This was just days before the showdown at the Dragon, the Clásico that we talked about back in episode 51 last week. So Bruno Lage was resting a few players, um, notably Ferru. He would keep him out in an attempt to rest him, in an attempt to get him to regain some of his focus, to give him a day off. Uh, unfortunately, though, Jardel would not last much more than ha- the first half. He would take the field in the second half and not last much longer than that. Unfortunately, also, he would uh, rest uh, my cousin Vinny, Carlos Vinicius, opting instead for Harris Seferovic uh, up top. Pizzi and Cervi are both in there. They're the two regulars in their position. And Ulian Weigel was in the stands. He was given the night off. As Terapt partnered with uh, Gabriel. And this is a partnership I do not like. Okay, This is a partnership I don't like for a couple of reasons. I know some of you like it. It worked for a few Liga games for a couple weeks. But uh, it leaves a huge, huge gap in the middle channel, in the center channel. Gabriel is not a holding midfielder. That You're not getting the best Gabriel by playing him as a holding midfielder. He's not able to press. He's not able to step high, which are the two things he does best. Yeah, he can still knock his long balls a bit, but you know when that's gone, he's not allowed to do the other things that he does well, which is to pressure the ball, to step high, and to force mistakes from the opponent. Instead, he's playing in a center defensive mid-roll where he has to stay home and, and not commit and, and protect space. And as a result, you know, and the other thing is Terapt has, listen, Terapt has some amazing ability going forward. When the ball at his feet, he's got magic. However, when it comes to defending, when the other team's got the ball, Terapt is just a walking disaster defensively. He's nowhere to be found. He's running around like crazy, and he's almost a guarantee to get booked every single time he plays. And, you know... That's not the first time I'm going to say that in this episode, as you'll find out as we go on. But um, what happened was, as a result, it left an absolute freeway down Benfica's center channel. And especially, 
slightly to the left side where Fumbly Cone really enjoyed all kinds of space and all kinds of time and was able to run at us with pace and really able to create so many chances and make this match much more difficult than it needed to be. Uh, in the 13th minute, Gustavo Asunção from Family Cone would go in the book. He'd be the first to go into the book. In the 43rd minute, it was a yellow to Grimaldo. And the first half was pretty uneventful. Okay, so not much happened there in that first half. We go in to the, the halftime, into the team room for halftime, I should say. And, um, you know, but if you get this time still rolling, all right, you gotta we got to go in the time machine and go back a little bit, realize where they were at that time. Um, I know I was thinking, oh, we'll just roll it out. We score more goals in the second half than anybody else. We'll just do that again. And, um, you know, one minute into the second half, unfortunately, Fe uh, Fehu has to come on to replace Jardel, who was injured and may miss months now um, with a ligament injury. Uh, so not a good sign as we are incredibly thin now at the back with only two central defenders left on the first team roster. This is not good. This is not good. And Fehu has to go back in and he is not able right now to play out of his funk as we know what would happen four days later at the Dragon. But in the 53rd minute, PZ makes it 1-0 from the spot. Um, as the ball was crossed, hits the the Fama player on the arm. No doubt whatsoever. Don't, don't even want to hear it. It's as clear as day. It's a penalty kick, and PZ steps up and puts it home. one nothing to Benfica in the 53rd minute. But seven minutes later, Pedro Gonçalves would level for Fumalico. He was uh, assisted, of course, by Benfica on Loney, or Loney, Diogo Gonçalves. On a nice on a nice play where again, Fumbly Cone went down that center left channel, um, that absolute freeway that is left there in Ulian Weigel's uh, absence, and without a true a true holding midfielder, and with the added woes of both Ferru and Grimaldo defensively, um, it left us with no no. Uh, no coverage, that is, as uh, Family Cone just break down the center at pace. They dish it wide to Diogo Gonçalves, who then plays a nice ball in to Pedro Gonçalves, who slots it past Odie, and it's 1-1, one -one, and the nervousness starts to set in at the Stadio de Luge at that moment and does not take long. That was in the 60th because in the 67th minute, Bruno Lage goes to the bench, and that's it for the rest for a couple of his uh, heavy hitters, if you will. The the normal uh, strike pair of Carlos Vinicius and Rafa Silva are off the bench. They're on. Chiquinho and Chervi are off as Benfica look for the firepower to try to get a winner here. Uh, as there are shortly, or I should say, there are little more than 20 minutes to go. But it would be the guests who would get the next one. As in the 73rd minute, it would be the striker Tony Martinez who would make it 2-1 to one to Fama on an assist from Pedro Gonçalves. And the Stadio de Luz goes absolutely silent. Uh, nervousness absolutely setting in. Worry now sets in as we all have still very fresh in our mind the collapse in last year's Tasa 
last year's cup semifinal against Sporting. And it looks like it's going to happen again. It looks like maybe Benfica are not going to get to the Jamor once again. Not to mention we're on the heels of, or I should say on the eve of the Clásico at the Dragão. And this is not a good sign of things to come. Uh, but five minutes later in the 78th minute, Vinicius would play it across the face of goal. Find Rafa at the back post. And the Portugal International would put it home to make it three to two. Uh, to make it two-two, excuse me. As Benfica will draw level. And then in the final closing moments, we would actually in the 82nd minute, excuse me. Um Fumalicão will go to their bench as they will make two defense-minded substitutions. Ruben Lemedes and former Benfica Youth Academy product in one time for one game. <laughs> Benfica senior captain uh, Roderick Miranda come on. Fabio Martins and Pedro Gonçalves come off. And I think this was a mistake for Fumalicão because this invited Benfica forward. And um, Benfica did make them pay in the 90th minute. It was a Grimaldo corner from the right side. The outswinger finds Gabriel. And Gabriel heads home the winner to give Benfica a 3-2 win in this first leg. Now, remember we've been saying for a couple of weeks at this point, Gabriel was becoming a target in the box on set pieces. Gabriel was finding his way to the ball, he was finding his way to get efforts on goal, and in this one, he did not uh, disappoint. Runs to the camera, does a nice celebration as he blows a kiss to his son. Um, unfortunately, though, and this really breaks my heart because you all know how I feel about Gabriel. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you've heard me call him my man. Gabriel, I love everything this player does on the field because he works and he and he hustles, but he's smart, he's intelligent, and he can knock a long ball, he can play it short, but most importantly, he brings intensity, pressure, and strength and steel to this Befica team that severely lacks steel. And even when he's playing horrible, as he was in this match, he played horrible in this match, he still wins balls, he still wins aerial duels, he still wins tackles, he still presses the ball and, and and hurries the opponent and forces mistakes. If he does nothing else in a match, if he's playing horrible and nothing's going right, he still brings you that. Even if it takes 500 long balls and none of them hit, you know what, he still brings you something on the defensive side of the ball and he brings much needed steal to this team, unfortunately, this is the last time we would see Gabriel for the 2019-2020 season as he would be hospitalized the next day. And as you heard in the news, he would uh, be diagnosed with an eye condition and he went complaining of double vision. And it, it took shape after this match. And it explains why some of his passes have been so poor recently as he's been his vision has been slowly uh deteriorating over the last couple of weeks and it is a real real hard blow to Befica all of Bruno Lage's three losses in the league have something in common all three of or I should say the losses in the league this year 
as well as the loss in the league last year. Oh, they didn't lose any matches last year, but the loss at Alvalade last year in the Tassa. The one thing they have in common was Gabriel was not on the pitch for any of those matches. Domestically, we are unbeaten with Gabriel in our side if Gabriel finishes the match. He came off injured at Alvalade last year, and that was the end um, of, of Bruno Lage's unbeaten run as he was beaten by Sporting in that match, domestically at least. And uh, now, you know, he was not available against Porto in August as he had injured himself in the Super Cup match. Not available at the Luge. Not available this past weekend against Braga. And not available for the rest of the season. This is one of my biggest worries going forward for Benfica is the loss of Gabriel. Now, a couple other observations I made in this match. Not a go not a good performance at all overall for 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 the side. I put like I've already said that Gabriel and Tarap partnership in midfield does not work. It's a nightmare. Uh, Fumley Co exposed our left side, foretelling what was would come in Porto. And Pedro Gonçalves and Diogo Gonçalves did as they pleased down that channel. Port, uh, Benfica, excuse me, very, very lucky to score three times in this match and to come away with the victory despite giving up the two away goals. And I also wrote that it was Gabriel's final match of the season, uh, most likely. And he scored a goal in minute 90, which ultimately ends up being the difference in this tie. Uh, some of the stats, shots, Benfica with 14, Fumley come with 12, Benfica with 7 on goal, 2 Fumley comes 3 on goal, shots from in the area, 10 to Benfica, 6 for Fumley come total passes, Benfica 470, Fumley come 388, efficiencies, Benfica 84%, 2 Fumley comes 80.9%, on the vertical pass, Benfica was 71.4% effective, while Fumley come were at 66.7, possession, uh, Benfica with a slight edge, 53.3% to 44.7%. Benfica offside eight times, Fumley Cone just once. Benfica 11 fouls to Fumley Cone's 15. And in duels, Benfica 170 and Fumley Cone 158. And many of those came, of course, from the foot of Gabriel. And Gabriel, I'm looking at his stats here on... Uh, goal point, and I'm going to read them to you. As goal point did publish here a heat map for Gabriel after this match, and the heading for their article was the five things Gabriel will uh, most be missed for, but you can read it yourself if you go to goalpoint.pt and just search Gabriel. It comes up right away. But this is his his rankings and his statistics for this entire season. Okay, up to the 12th of, of February when this was published. And the passes for shots, 0.6 per match. Uh, passes, efficient passes or successful passes, I should say. Passes, 78%. Disarms or steals, 3.0 per game. Interceptions, 1.8 per game. Recovery of possession 
or re- yeah, recoveries of possession, 8.0 recoveries per match for Gabriel. That's an unbelievable stat. And the percentage of aerial duels, defensive aerial duels won by Gabriel, 71% of his duels he wins. That's an incredible record. Like I said, he brings something that nobody else in that midfield brings. And he brings steel. And we saw in the Lu- in the Dragão just how much we were missing steel. And it's just an absolute um, shame that we're going to lose him for the rest of the season. As he is the number one winner, reco- recoverer of balls in the entire team. So he recovers more, more balls than anybody else on the team. Recovers possession more than anyone else. He's the second leader in in steals he has the most interceptions of any any Benfica player this season and like i said he's the number one uh defensive aerial player it's not ruben diaz it's not ferro it's not Weigel. Weigel's only been here for you know for a snack and a break um but it's not it's not any other player in midfield it is gabriel and he is the third highest ranked goal point ranking rating player on Benfica with an average 6.24. Obviously, we wish Gabriel all the best, a speedy recovery, and we hope to see him back next season at full strength. That is the end of of leg one. That that's where we will will cut off from leg one of the semifinal tie. So now we will go into leg number two. And as I pull out my notes here, leg number two was earlier this week. Tuesday, February 11th to be exact, February 11th of 2020. And we're at the Estadio Municipal de Fumalicão in northern Portugal in the city of Fumalicão in Vila Nova de Fumalicão. And we have... Fumalicão hosting Benfica. As you know, it's a 3-2 aggregate, as we just talked about the previous uh, match, the first leg at the Stadio de Luz. Fumalicão would start with the same exact 11. Now, note that in between the two matches, Fumalicão rested 10 out of the 11 starters in their um, league match at the weekend, having dropped a 7-0 decision to Vitória Guimarães with that reserve squad. So they put all their eggs in this Portuguese Cup basket. They were going to use the Portuguese Cup as their ticket to the Europa League. Well, they would need to win this game by a goal um, or just win by a goal with Benfica scoring less than two goals as they did have two away goals to bring into this match from the first leg. So same 11 for Fama. It was Vana. Coley, Patrick William, Richili, Ivo Pinto, Fabio Martins, Gustavo Assunção, Pedro Gonçalves, Ratic, Diogo Gonçalves, and Tony Martinez. Benfica would keep Odi in goal. Grimaldo would return. Ferro and Ruben are the center backs. And Tomás Tavares in place of the injured André Almeida, who was injured uh, at the Dragão, as we talked about in the last episode. Chervi returns to the starting lineup after missing the match with Porto. He, in midfield, it would be Tino returning to the starting lineup. Florentino Luiz is the holding mid, partnering with Tarapt. 
while Pizzi would play down the right, Rafa and Vinicius return to the starting lineup in the Tassa. And we get right off the start in the 22nd minute. It is a yellow card for Fumley Clowns Rachic. And um, Benfica started well in this match. This was not a good game, but early on, Benfica started well. They went for it. They knew they needed a goal. They knew they couldn't sit back and play for 0-0 on the road, especially the way that the team had been defending as of late. You can't put any confidence in keeping a clean sheet the way that you have been playing, despite having the most on-form goalkeeper in Portugal right now in Odisseus Vlacodimos. But in the 24th minute, a very nice play as Pizzi plays it, plays, excuse me, plays Carlos Vinicius into the box. The, the big Brazilian puts it across his body near the near post where Chervi is there first and he heel flicks it with the inside of his heel back out front where Pizzi is running on and Pizzi slides it into the open goal and Befica quickly make it 1-0 early 24th minute and they make it 4-2 to two on aggregate and now Fumalico need 2 if they want to advance 28th minute Tarapt would get in the yellow would get in the referee's book for a yellow card and this is something I really feel like we're going to say every time he plays because he cannot stay out of the referee's book again he can do so many things going forward but he's such a liability defensively and that's fine if you have the team around him to allow him that kind of liberty to just to just forego his defensive responsibilities. But every time he's trying to pressure the ball, he his positioning is not good. He doesn't know what angle to come in to pressure at. And he ends up always coming in late and catching a guy and finding himself in the referee's book. In the 45th, Pedro Gonçalves would go in the book for Fumalicão, and that would take us to halftime, as Benfica would go into halftime ahead, a goal to nil on the night, ahead 4-2 to two on aggregate. But just before the halftime, I do want to mention that Fumalicão did put the ball in the back of the net. It was allowed at first, but fortunately for Benfica, um, the... VAR official would have a second look at it, and George Souza's decision to allow the goal would be overturned. It would be no goal, and Befica would go into the halftime locker room with the 1-0 lead. And again, you're looking for Bruno Lage's team to come out firing in the second half. They, didn't, they did do it in Porto. They came out well in the second half against Porto. Scored early, set the tone. We're unable to complete the comeback, but they made the effort and they, they did some good things in the second half in Porto. Not the case in Fumalicão on Tuesday night, uh, 60th minute. It was a yellow card to Cherry, 64th. Um, Tomas Tavares' turn to go into the book for a yellow card. And Bruno Lage will go to the substitutes bench at the 65th minute. Same exact minute he went to the s substitutes bench in the first leg. Um, and this time it would be Chiquinho entering for Rafa. Rafa having an off night here against Famalicão. Uh, not his best performance. Chiquinho comes in, brings a little bit of spark, brings a little bit of effort. But again, the quality is not there. The team looked, I'm going to be honest, the team looked incredibly tired, incredibly exhausted, incredibly fatigued in this match. And it is a huge emotional um 
it's an emotional wear and it's an emotional exhaustion you get after a Clásico, especially to lose in the way that Benfica did lose at the Dragon. It's not making an excuse, but this match was 100% what I expected to see in this match. I didn't expect Benfica to answer by coming out firing on all on all cylinders and blazing and putting six goals in the back of the net and sending a message to the rest of the league. I did not believe that they had the physical capabilities to do that. Against what is a strong team, we need to remember, just because Family Count were promoted this year, this is no... You know, this is not your typical promoted side. This is a team that is loaded with talent. Tons of of, of talented players loaned from large clubs like like Athletic, uh, Athletic Madrid and Valencia and Sporting Braga, among other clubs. Benfica, as we know about Diogo Gonçalves. Um, this is a very strong Jorge Mendes influenced team this is basically the Portuguese Wolverhampton Wanderers and uh, this was never going to be an easy match and with the the emotional exhaustion and the physical exhaustion Benfica brought into the match this match was exactly what I expected it to be um, the result was going to be better than the effort was going to be better than the performance and I always prefer that and um, if you have any doubt about what's better, a, a good result or a good performance, well, when we get to the Braga match, you know, we, we can talk about that a little bit more. But Chiquinho comes on for Rafa three minutes later. Walterson enters for Fumlicão, replacing Ivo Pinto. Uh, 71st minute, and it is Fabio Martins going into the book with a yellow. And in the 76th minute, Fumlicão bring on Schiapasse. <laughs> a very difficult name to uh, pronounce for the Brazilian, who comes in to replace Paulo Gonçalves. And in the 78th minute, again, down our left side, down our very fragile left side, our broken left side. Fumlicão's right side, it's none other than Diogo Gonçalves again, our own player who makes a nice play. And he slots it across the face of goal. And Tony Martinez beats Odie. To bring Famalicão within one goal of punching their ticket to the Jamur. And in the 85th minute, Odie would see yellow for time-wasting. A couple more saves from Odie in the match. And Bruno Lage with his what's becoming patented, copyright patented, 90th minute substitution, Seferovic on for Vinicius. And Benfica would see out the result and come away with a fourth. 3 aggregate victory 1-1 on the night 4-3 on aggregate Benfica advance to the cup final at the Jamor they will face Football Club do Porto who in their second leg later uh, on the night I should say on Wednesday night the next night after a 1-1 first leg draw in Viseu would win 3 nothing at home to Viseu on a very questionable no, it's not questionable. On an absolute BS penalty kick where there was no foul. Again, that team being carried by referees. And then an offside goal that we find out a day later, the VAR image never made it to the Cidad football where it was to be reviewed by the Federation. Once again, Video Aporto strikes 
Porto are in the cup final. We'll see them in the Jamur in May. Here are the stats for this second leg. This ugly, ugly second leg, at least from a Benfica perspective. Shots, total shots. Benfica 7, Fumalicão 18. Shots on goal. Benfica 2, Fumalicão 8. Shots from inside the area. Benfica 4, Fumalicão 8. Total passes. Benfica would lose this this stat, which they don't normally lose. Benfica 400. Fumalicão 480. And how about the efficiency? Benfica 80.8% efficient. While Fumalicão improves from their previous performance to an 86.3% efficiency. Very, very big improvement in that category for Fumalicão between the first and second leg. Vertical pass percentage, a horrible number for Benfica, 59.3%. The most common pass made in this match was between was between Grimaldo and Ferru. And it was backward most times. Pamlico in the vertical the vertical pass category, 74.3% efficient. Very good number for them. Possession. 54.3% to Fumalicão, 45.7% to Benfica. Benfica committed 19 fouls while Porto, excuse me, while Fumalicão committed 9. And Benfica loses the dual matches, the dual match. 50 duels to Benfica, 59 to Fumalicão. Already missing Gabriel in this one. That is one stat where Gabriel picks up the slack. Benfica very, very lucky not to go out on away goals again as they did last year. Um, saved in the 45th minute by a VAR decision. Correct decision, but still saved. Benfica, this was a this was a goal point stat, and this is an interesting stat. Benfica with 0.0 expected goals in the second half. What that means is when you have a chance that should uh, finalize in a goal, all right, um, or when you have a certain amount of chances, it gives you the statistic of expected goals. Benfica with 0.0, an absolutely um, abysmal mark um, in that second half. And Florentino Luigi in his return wins only one of 11 duels. Not a good performance from the young, a holding midfielder in this match. Odie, by far the man of the match as the Greek keeper, is the only reason Benfica are going to the final. Um, and it's a good thing we have him and his performance in these two legs was the difference. Now, let's hear some of the audio. First, we're going to hear from Peasy in the post-match, um, in the flash interview post-match. So, Peasy there, uh, summarizing what he said um, in translation. Basically, he said that the team is satisfied with the result. It was a tough match. He gave a lot of credit to Fumalico. He said that they were a good team, and they're very strong in 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 con- constructing play and building up play out of the back and working it up the field. And he said that uh, the 
that the players very happy to move on to the final at the Jamur and we are very happy that Befica will be there also. Um, not a good performance, like I said, but but Befica would get the result they needed. And sometimes it's better to be lucky than to be good. And that was the case in these two legs in the semifinal tie. Um, in closing, like I said, Porto would advance as well. We're going to play Porto at the Jamur. And as you heard about in the news segment. Now, um, coming out of this match... Um, another thing that I took was that this left side, this left and left center of the defense is just an absolute, uh, it's in shambles right now. I have never seen Grimaldo defend so poorly as he is defending right now. Ferro is just, um, you know, he, he's a kid that needs a, I think he needs a break. Uh, I think he needs some time to, to regroup because... He knows he's not playing well, and he's under immense pressure because the opponents are focusing in on him, and it would be the case against against Braga. He, in my opinion, played better against Braga over the weekend, which we're going to get to that match and next. But um, still saw his guy get goal side of him and saw his guy score the goal. But um, I think... By keeping him out there, it is not helping him at this point. And I think Bruno Lage really has to have a serious thought about perhaps sliding Andreas Samadis into center back for a bit and re-solidifying that, that position there and re-solidifying that back line a bit um, and letting the young Ferro have a few matches or a few weeks to regroup and to refocus. Uh, also, you know, I wouldn't put Weigel back there because Weigel was brought here basically because he left Dortmund because he was playing center back. All right, he's a defensive center mid who who wants to play his position, obviously. And Befica afforded him that opportunity, so you're not going to bring him for twenty million and then slide him into center back once again. Yes, he can play there in an emergency. Yes, if you're out of substitutions, he can fall into into that position. But I would go with Samadish at this point. Samadish is much more experienced. Samadish is the ultimate team guy, and I am going to talk about Samadish <laughs> when we talk about the Braga game. He didn't even play, but he made an impression. And we really need to find time for this guy. Bruno Lage really needs to find playing time for Andreas Samadish. So I think it's time to to give him some some rub at as center back and let him get on the pitch again and let him uh, let him make some tackles, let him win some headers, let him d- mark a, f- a striker and help the team on the field as much as he helps the team in the in the locker room and as much as he helps the team supporting them from the sidelines. Andreas Samaris deserves to be playing in this squad. All right. We're going to take a real short break, and when we come back, we're going to get into the Liga Nage round 21. Benfica hosting Sporting Braga. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu. You can follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. On Instagram at Mr. Benfica. On Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. And of course at the new website, MrBenfica.com. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Mr. Benfica episode 52 and thank you for hanging with me this long. I know it's been a long episode as we are over an hour in now and we finally get to the main event of the episode this week. It's this past weekend's match with Sporting Braga. So a lot on the line in this match, a lot of pressure on Benfica, a lot of pressure on Bruno Leich. Let's uh, start with the starting lineups, beginning with the visitors, Braga. They would play in a three, they would play in their three, five, two formation, which very easily and very quickly can transform into a five, three, two. In goal was the Brazilian Mateus. The three across the back, Raul. All it was sorry, Raul Santos partnering with Wallace and David Carmo. And then the wing backs on the left side, Skeda, and on the right side, Ricardo Isgayu. The three in midfield, you have João Palinha in the hole with Francergio to the right and Ricardo Horta to the left. Up front, the strike tandem of Paulinho and Galeno. Benfica would come out with their normal 4-4-2. No real surprises in this one. Um, one change, but the, due to injury, or two changes, but I should say one change, and it is due to injury. But you start with Odie in goal, very informed keeper for Benfica right now. The right back is Tomas Tavares, who replaces the injured Andre Almeida, as we said in the midweek game with Fumlicão. Ruben Dias and Ferroa, the center back pairing. And the left back is Grimaldo. Ulian Vigo is the holding midfielder with Adel Tarapt, his attacking mid. Franco Cervi playing on the left and Pizzi on the right. Up front, the tandem of Rafa and Carlos Vinicius. And we are at the Stadio de Luz. It's February the 15th, 2020. Attendance is 59,371. And as soon as the broadcast begins, we see LFV with Braga president Antonio Salvador and Portugal national team manager Fernando Santos in the tribuna do presidente. The Stadio de Luz is... Rocking out to I Will Survive as the captains Pizzi and Francergio join the referee Hugo Miguel at midfield for the coin toss. Uh, Ugu Miguel is refereeing Benfica for the fourth time this season. Assistant referees are Bruno Zuz and Ricardo Santos. The fourth official, fourth official is João Malheiro. And the VAR official is Bruno Esteves. His assistant, Rui Cidade. Benfica is in their traditional home kit of red jerseys, white shorts, and red socks. Braga in their change kit of light gray tops with light gray shorts and dark gray socks. Ruben Amorim returns to Stadio Luz for the first time as an opposing manager. Remember that he spent eight years with Benfica as a player. Elder Condutu is on the call for BTV. He would call the game with Rogério Matias as his color commentator and Luis Costa Branco and João Martins down on the pitch side as reporters. The match kicks off with Carlos Vinicius starting the play as the two sides are separated by 20 points in the table, but that is not an 
accurate depiction of the difference between the quality and the sides. I've been saying for weeks, this is the most in-form club in the Liga Nage. I'm talking, of course, about Sporting Club de Braga. Ever since Ruben Amorim has taken over, this now his ninth match with eight victories and one draw. He's won twice against Porto, won twice against Sporting, and he's now gone to Stadio de Luz and beaten Benfica. In the third minute, Skeda drops the ball along the right touchline to Galeno, who carves out. I'm sorry, who who carves inward, excuse me, and sends the ball with an in-swinging cross toward the far post, but it's too far for Paulinho to reach. He slides but cannot reach it. Fourth minute, a minute later, it's Skate again with the cross, looking for Paulinho again, and this time Ferru gets there first by sliding. A nice early good play by the young defender who has been dipping in form and who desperately needs a good match and desperately needs to turn his form around. Uh, good play early on there by Ferru. In the fifth minute, it's another cross. This time it's Ricardo Isgayu, and he crosses from... Braga, um, his cross for Braga is defl- is just deflected away by Tomasz Tavares at the last second. Francesco was nearly there, nearly got the first touch, and he was in front of goal. Would have been a dangerous play. Sixth minutes, still Braga. Pajinha plays the ball back to David Carmo, and this is this is a good change in fortune for Benfica as David Carmo takes a heavy first touch, and he is quickly dispossessed by a full-speed Rafa, and the Portugal international runs at pace into the box with from the front, uh, from the front center to the left, keeping the defender on, behind him on the right shoulder, and he crosses by. Wallace, who is trying to cut him down on his left, he gets by him and then with the outside of his right foot attempts a shot at the far post. However, his technique lets him down as his effort goes wide by a meter or so past Matilge's post. Ninth minute and it's Ulian Weigel now winning the ball in midfield, taking his space, dishing to Tarapt. Tarapt beats Palinha on a Zidane turn. That's right, a Zidane turn. And he plays in Carlos Vinicius, who dribbles past Matilge to the keeper's right. But the angle tightens too quickly, and Vinny's left-footed effort goes into the side netting. Benfica with a good chance to take the lead. Two early chances for Benfica, unable to finalize on those chances in the 12th minute. It's Odie. He knocks one long diagonal over the top of Braga's back line into the area. Cervi, I should say, never quits and he shows his determination and he gets in to the box and is able to beat Wallace to the ball, but the Argentinian is off balance, and I should say Argentine, is off balance and his left-footed effort is well wide, but the crowd in the stadium at the Luge, applauds the effort for the Argentina international Franco Cervi. 16th minute, great combination play in the defensive end of the middle third. Weigel finding Pizzi, combining with Tomas Tavares. As Rafa appears in the gap, receives the ball, and runs at Braga. 
He runs at Braga at the defense, at pace, forcing the defense to commit. And he plays the ball then to Chervi. But Chervi is unfortunately offside as he breaks into the box all alone. 21st minute, Tomaj again dispossesses Skeda. Plays a nice one to Epizi. Plays to Rafa. Rafa uses the inside of his heel nicely to flick the ball into space in front, preparing to run onto it. But he's brought down on a late, clumsy challenge from David Carmo. He comes in late and from behind. It should have been ascending off. There is no question about this one. It should have been ascending off. Ugo Miguel lets him off the hook with the yellow, and the VAR is not consulted. Again, <laughs> had he been <laughs> any one of Porto's players that did that and was brought down like that, you best believe that the VAR would have been in the referee's air to look at that one more time. Not in the case. Not the case here. And this, ladies and gentlemen, whether we play good. Whether we play well or whether we play poorly, this is what we're up against the rest of the season for the next 13 weeks, okay? The next 13 rounds of the Liga Nage. We're going to be facing this. We're going to be facing the referees. We're going to be facing the VAR as well as our opponents. Absolutely no excuse to not at least check to see if that's a red card foul. That is what VAR is there for. Hugo Miguel does not allow that to happen. Elder Kundutu steps in and says that the foul is clearly would certainly justify a sending off. But then Elder will backpedal a little bit and say that he understands the referee not wanting to send a player off so early and condition the game. Too bad. That's not the referee's job. I need to respond to that because I'm sick of this attitude that people have. And a lot of people have this when they're watching the game. They have it when they're coaching the, the game. They have it when they're talking football. That the referee is somehow, you know, a manager of what happens on the field. That's not the case. The referee is an arbitrator. The referee is there to judge what happens in the match. He's not there to influence the match or there to control how many players are on each team. He's not there to save anybody from being sent off. He's there to simply judge what happens on the field. This was poor refereeing and... Unfortunately, we keep talking about this every episode, and I hate talking about referees. I want to talk about the X's and O's. I want to talk about what happens inside the pitch, and somehow we find our way back to referees week after week. 27 minute. Chervi with a long pass for PZ, but Matilj is there first, comes out, grabs it, and smothers it. 30th minute, it's a diagonal ball sent on a rope to the far post for Tomas Tavares. He tries to first-time it towards the penalty spot where Vinicius and Pizzi are arriving. However, it is cut out by Mateusz. Nice play by the Braga goalkeeper to anticipate and come out and get that ball before Benfica's arriving uh, support could hammer that thing into the goal. 32nd minute, and now we're at the other end. It's Braga. It's Skeda with the cross. Direct free kick. And he finds Pelinha, whose header goes off the post to Odi's left. But Ugo Miguel whistles for offside. 34th minute, and it is Rafa running at pace again into the attacking third at three Braga players. He's brought down. Referee waves play on. An absolute another head shaker of a play. I don't play on for what? It's a clear foul. It's just 
the inconsistency of these referees and their intimidation. I don't know if they're being threatened by the Super Dragonish. I don't know if they're receiving, you know, some kind of messages. But it's like they are doing anything and everything to not not give calls to Benfica. This is this is, is horrible. In the 36th minute now, it is an Ishgayu cross for Braga. And it's it's one and headed clear by Ruben Dias. Tarap collects it, runs at pace into the Braga half of the pitch, and he is brought down Palinha by Palinha, who cuts him down. Um, sorry, who cuts him down, and the referee has whistled, and Palinha does go into the books. Juan Palinha of Sporting Braga is shown the yellow card. We're in the 39th minute. Ruben clearly wins the ball from Paulinho. However, Ugo Miguel blows his whistle and gets it all wrong. You can see in the replay, it's a horrible call. There's absolutely no contact there, but the 46-year-old referee gives a dangerous free kick to Sporting Braga on the ensuing free kick. Let's see here. Ensuing free kick. It is Ferru with the beautifully won ball, a long diagonal to Pizzi. Nice ball from Ferru. And we got a long ball. It goes to Pizzi. Pizzi, who first times a cross right onto Carlos Vinicius' head, but the league's top scorer squanders this one as he can't get it down and get it on goal. It goes wide, and we have missed the best chance of the match. And Befica would be punished for that squander just a few minutes later. First, we got the 44th, and it is Rafa brought down in midfield by Palinha. Again, no call from Hugo Miguel. Braga play long to Galenu. Ruben Dias takes the ball cleanly. And again, Hugo Miguel blows his whistle. He falls for Galenu's theatrics. And there's absolutely no contact. The replay shows no contact at all. And even if there had been contact, Ruben gets his foot on the ball. And then Galenu kicks Ruben's foot. That is not a foul. Dangerous free kick. Another one given to Braga. And this one would cost Benfica. Remember the, one, remember the sitter that Carlos Vinicius just missed with his head just a minute ago? Well... On this ensuing free kick from Skeda, it's dumped into the goal area. It's botched a little bit, and Raul Silva on the ground is able to knock the ball into space for Fran Sergio, who's all alone in front of goal. He shoots, but an outstretched Odysseus Vlachodimos with the save of the match. He is fully stretched all the way, makes a great save with his two arms coming out fully extended. But it does go wide for a corner, and that is where this happened. Central, 
Elder Kundutu with the call, of course. And that is Braga's goal. It is a corner kick from Skeda. Outswinger as the lefty puts the outswinging ball into the area. And unfortunately, João Palhinha gets goal side of Ferro and heads home the ball to make it 1-0 to the visitors from Minu and the Guerreiros take the lead. Their fans are in delirium in the Topo Norte. And um, that really closes out the half, unfortunately. Uh, shortly after play is restarted, Ugo Miguel will blow his whistle for halftime. Although you heard there at the tail end of that call the shenanigans going on as uh, Benfica tried to get the ball and bring it to midfield and replay it. Raul Silva gets into a scrum there, roughing up, uh, or I should say, b- trying to bully Tomas Tavares. Ruben Dias stands up for his teammate, gets in there, and there's a little bit of fallout, and Hugo Miguel ends up booking both Ruben and Raul as we go to halftime, unfortunately. My observations in this first half, it was, it was disappointing because Benfica actually played pretty well in this first half. This was a good first half. Aside from their lack of efficiency in front of goal and their lack of finishing, um, Benfica did everything right up to that point. I said that Benfica had a lot of success when they were able to find Rafa between the lines, between Braga's lines, and Rafa is able to then exploit holes, find them, and feed the ball to the to his teammates into space. The left side of Benfica's Benfica's left side, I should say, especially defensively, was much better than they have been. As uh, Ishgayu and Ricardo Orta were really non-existent in that first half, as was Francesio. Really, no, nobody uh, was really had any success for Braga going down that side. The only place they attacked from was from the right, and interestingly enough. But um, or from our right, I should say, Tomas Tavares' right, their left. But really, the the only uh, the only danger Braga brought in this first half was from set pieces, half of them from horrible calls. So I mean, Benfica did did improve in that sense. Unfortunately, they still find themselves behind, and a little bit cruel for for uh, for Ferru. Um, I saw the social media; people are killing him on this goal. Uh he played. He was playing so much better until that happened. He was winning balls. He was making passes, connecting long balls, and then Paulinho gets goal side of him and is able to head the ball in. You heard Elder on the call there say that you know just like they did against Porto, another goal from a set piece. Um, that's the translation of what Elder said there, and it was Braga had scored just like this at the Dragão against Porto. Four weeks ago, whenever that was. Um, that time, it was Paulinho getting on the end of it. This time, it was Paulinho. Um I did write that Vinicius squandered the best chance of the match, and the team was punished minutes later. Nice play in the middle third for Benfica, but lacking the final service in the attacking third with the exception to the one chance that was squandered by Vinny. Um... Yeah, the middle third play was good. Benfica created chances. This was not a bad half for them. Um, really, a little bit hard done to be come out to come out of that half trailing after creating so many chances and being unable to 
put them away. All right, we're going to take a quick break here before we get into the second half. So we'll be right back with the second half. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu. You can follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. You can follow me on Instagram at Mr. Benfica on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica and check out the all-new MrBenfica.com. We'll be right back. Without further ado, let's get right into the second half as it kicks off with Francesio. And in the 47th minute, it's Cervi tracking down the left. He plays Tarapt into space. Tarapt tries to deliver the ball into the penalty spot for the trailing runners, but it's cleared for a corner by João Palinha, the goal scorer. Pizzi's ensuing corner punch clear by Mateus. 48th minute, the ball is won by Weigel. He creates some space for himself, turns, finds Tarapt, who switches the point of attack to PZ. PZ finds Vinicius posting up on David Carmo in the box. PZ turns onto his preferred left foot, fires that goal to the near post, and just hits the near post to Matilja's right side. The keeper was beat, but he was bailed out by the upright. Another good chance for Carlos Vinicius. And this one was painful to watch not go in. And this one is starting to make you wonder if this is just not going to be your day. For Benfica, of course. 52nd minute and Odi with the drop kick. He plays it into into space for Rafa. Rafa running onto it. Matuj is there to clear, and he kicked, but he kicks the ball off of Ishgayu's arm. No call at the other end. Uh, no call, I should say. Remember, last week a precedent was set that players need to be in control of their their arms at all times. Ishgayu's arm is outstretched. It is deflected by this clearance from Matuj outside the area. But no call, of course, because there's different sets of rules in this league depending what stadium you're in and depending who the opponent is. And at the other end, Vigo wins the ball cleanly, but Hugo Miguel whistles for a non-existent foul. And this is just getting to be a comedy right now with, with these referees and the way that they're seeing these matches. It's just getting to be a comedy. 54th minute, two minutes later, Ishgayu goes into the book for a late, hard challenge on Chervi. The ensuing free kick from Grimaldo finds Vinny, but his header is wide. Vinny goal with another wide header. Plenty of chances on a platter for Carlos Vinicius in this one. Having a tough time of it. In the 56, Tarap wins. Uh, sorry, Tarap arrives late for a challenge and brings his boot down on the metatarsal of Juan Peña. And once again, Tarap goes into the book. His seventh yellow card in the Liga Nage this season. I'll talk about the... I'll just say it Tarapt, you're a baller. You can play. You've got skills going forward. You 
can't help the team if you keep getting booked and you're getting suspended and you're getting sent off for yellow card accumulations. Stop getting booked, Adele. Stop getting booked. <laughs> no win to make the challenge and when it's too late, don't stick your foot in. That's my uh that's my appeal to one Adele Tarapt. In the 57th minute, Amorim will go to his bench and he brings on the newest Barcelona acquisition. That's right, the man with the 300, the 300, sorry. Yes, 300 million euro exit clause as of next season with AFC Barcelona. None other than Francisco Trincon. He replaces Galeno in the Braga attack. And he's going right to the right side of the attack. He's going to go pick on Ferro and on Grimaldo. You can see what the instructions were for him. He goes right over there and quickly gets into the play. 58th minute, Braga. Um, Braga get service to the 20-year-old substitute immediately. Talking, of course, about Trincon. And he combines with Orta, who finds Francergio and shoots. But it's another quality save from Odi. 59th minute, Terapto wins the ball in midfield. Plays in Rafa as he runs at pace. Has Vinicius open. It's a two-on-one, but waits a split. Second, Rafa takes a split second to make up his mind, and th that's where he made the mistake because that's all that was needed for the angle to be lost and for the passing lane to be closed. As he then tries to play it to Vinicius, and it is cleared away quickly by Wallace. And Rafa chooses wrong, and his cross was cleared. 62nd minute, and it's that that area there between 60 and 68 minutes where Lige likes to make a substitution. And it is Seferovic for Cervi. And the Luge faithful do not like this decision. The crowd is whistling. They want to keep, they want Lige to keep Cervi in the game. Lige right now is a man that is is looking like he's running out of ideas. Um, every manager goes through this, okay? Everyone goes through a run where no matter what you do, you know, it doesn't work. Or you just don't have the solutions in your team that you need for the problems that exist on the pitch. Um, Benfica was not very successful in the transfer window. I'm going to be honest, okay? We picked up Weigel. Business-wise, a great deal. You know how high I highly I rate the player, but it was not what the team needed at the moment. It's an it's you know in three years we may we may look back and say it was the greatest Benfica signing of all time or the you know of the Lige era. But right now it's not where the team needed needed numbers, and of course now you're stuck going with two twin twin strikers again, as now we got Vinicius and. Seferic playing together, and worsely, Rafa is taken out of the out of the gap in behind the forward and put out onto the left where where Cherdvi was playing, and that of course means that Rafa has to attack, leaving the right flank wide open for Braga to exploit because he's not going to get up and down the pitch at this point. He's not going to help you if he's back defending when you're losing. And that opens up all kinds of space for Ishgayu to get forward. Um, 
68th minute, and PZ now with a nice slalom. All right, PZ. Oh, I skipped the line there. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, the 65th, we have Weigel with a nice dispossession. He steals the ball from Francesu, finds Ruben. Ruben loses the ball, however, to Paulinho, and he has an effort on goal. But again, it is Odie with a fantastic save, diving to his left. 67th minute, Rafa with a nice ball, playing in Vinicius, who crosses without looking. Raul Silva nearly puts the ball in his own goal, but Mateusz makes a dive, makes a kick save. He saves it as he's falling, stretches his leg back towards the ball, makes a kick save, and Braga get a little bit lucky here on this one. One minute later, it's Peasy now with the slalom I referred to a minute ago. Goes in and out between three players from the right to the center, back to the right, back to the center. Takes a left-footed shot, but it is saved by Matilda's fully outstretched left hand along the ground. Benfica now, after this play, will start to force crosses, and this is when things start to get tougher for Benfica. It starts to be call, become the football abombo that we don't like. It starts to look like Rui Vitorio ball, as people say. Um, I don't know that it looked like that. I, I didn't quite see it quite that. that uh, I see that as a bit of an exaggeration by an unhappy fan base, understandably so. But... There are just so many bad crosses forced into the box. Braga at this point have dropped their wing backs back. They're playing with a line of five across the back. They they want nothing more. They love the idea of you just sending balls in. Rather than Befica doing what they were what they were having success with and working the ball into spaces with short one twos and with touches and getting into the gaps and playing the ball playing the through ball into the gaps, they start launching crosses, and that's exactly what Braga want, and that's exactly what they're prepared to defend, and exactly playing into their strength defensively. Um, but of course, when Lige keeps adding forwards, there's little else you're going to do but try to get the ball to your big, your big forwards in the box. And we go now as Benfica, um, like I said, tr having trouble. Uh, from this point forward, creativity begins to dissolve in the Benfica play as desperation is beginning to set in. And that's, again, long balls or, you know, unnecessary crosses from any angle are a clear sign of desperation. It tells the opponent that you're getting frustrated and you don't know what else to do. And when your opponent has these pinyash, these pine trees back there, five of them, you know, to, to win headers in the box, it's not going to trouble them much. 74th minute, and Rafa wins the ball in the middle third. Dishes to Trapt, who runs with it at pace, and he's cut down from behind by Francergiu. Hugo Miguel shows the yellow card to the midfielder, Francergiu. In the 75th minute, it is Vinicius again with a go from 25 yards out, but this was a poor decision as his shot was weak and right at Matilge. Shortly thereafter, Weigel with the perfect ball over the top onto PZ's run. PZ brings it down, but Wallace gets a last-second deflection with a toenail, essentially. He barely gets anything on it, but he gets just enough to get it out of PZ's, out of his path, forcing PZ to, to change his 
his angle a little bit, and that's enough for the ball to get away and for Matuj coming out to get a palm on it and palm it away from PZ. PZ would go down looking for a penalty kick. The stadium wants it, but looking at the review, there's no penalty there. There's no foul. It's a brilliant play by the goalkeeper, Matuj. Um, Benfica, again, desperation starting to set in. What is another thing you try to do when you start to get desperate? You try to create a penalty kick, okay? Our rivals in the north get one when they do that. We uh, don't unless it's overwhelmingly obvious, and even then sometimes we don't. Arta, um, sorry, Huben Amorim will go to the bench again. 78th minute, He, it's a brother-for-brother brother switch. It's Andrea Orta, the former Benfica player, replaces his brother Ricardo, who's also a Benfica youth product, and the Benfica fans politely applaud the Orta brothers. Uh, Bruno Lage will also make a change as Chiquinho comes on. He replaces Weigel. Uh, after watching this game a second time, this was a pretty good game for Weigel. I have to give him credit. He 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 cut down a lot of attacks and he connected a lot of passes. And no, they're not all backwards. And no, they're not all sideways. All right, he did make a few nice daggering passes forward and diagonally into space to help Benfica create some. Uh, some chances, but naturally you need an attacking player. You always sacrifice the number six in this situation with 12 minutes to play. And Benfica now just even more so continue to send hopeless long balls into the penalty area, never troubling Braga. 81st minute, Chiquinho attempts an in-swinger to the far post, but it's too far and out of Seferovic's reach. 85th, it's Peasy with a hopeless cross again, easily dealt with by Mateusz. It's right where he's standing. Bruno Lage <laughs> out of out of chips apparently or out of cards to 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 deal. Goes to Diego Souza once again in in place of Tomasz Tavares. It's a striker for a forward, and once again we have three strikers in the box. And once again. This clearly has not been worked in training as uh, there just isn't any room for them to do anything up there. It just brings more it brings more Braga players into the box. That's the problem. You play with three strikers. It's not three on three like Elder Kundut says here in the box. It's three on six because it just drops more Braga players back and you have less room to work with in the part of the field you need to be in to create a goal. At the same time, I can't fault the manager because he doesn't have other options on the bench. You're not going to bring in Samadish. You're not going to bring in, uh, you know, you're not going to bring in Nuntavarj in this situation. So when he doesn't make subs, he's criticized for not making subs. Now he's making them for the sake of making them because people are asking him for the sake of asking for him, and it's not helpful. I think Benfica almost would have been better to not have changed anything and to kept playing the way they were playing up into the 68th minute before the changes started to be made. 87th minute, and Amorim will make his last changes. Rui Font will come on, another former Benfica player. He replaces Paulinho. And Braga will see out the result. Benfica will Benfica tire in this in late in this game. Uh, the legs are heavy. Clearly, there's been a lot of minutes played by some of these guys in the past uh, couple of weeks, and it's not going to get any easier. Hugo Miguel will blow his whistle for full time, and Braga with the shock result, winning one nil at the Luge for the first time, if I'm not mistaken, in the league. 
in 56 years or something like that. I know they won for the they won in, at the Luge in the Tassa um, not that long ago, a couple of seasons back. But this is the first one in the league in over 56 years. And, you know, I don't like when people read out those stats of how many years it's been since uh, a team has won. This was a matchup of two teams that are very even, especially in the first 11. Um, it was notable Andrea Orta came in, and I think he was trying to help me. Because, I mean, he really he didn't want the ball. When he had it, he made soft pass. He either passed it to his teammates in bad positions or he made almost intent, well, looked like intentional errant passes to Benfica players. I think the Benficista in Andrea Orta, he was very, he had a very uh, big internal conflict going on in this match. Um, but, you know, it doesn't matter what Braga have done in the last 56 years during these 90 minutes. I'm a big believer in that history has no effect in, in, in the current match. Um, what happens between the lines in those 90 minutes is what decides the match. It's not what happened 40-something, 30-something, 20-something years ago, okay, or how many years it's been. I, th that stuff is, is great for pundits. Fans, fans worry about it. It can become... You know, it can become a detriment to players mentally. But this this Braga team under Ruben Amorim is absolutely, you know, flying right now. And they're mentally they're they're you're not they're not going to be shaken right now. There's no reason why they can't they can't believe that they can go and win on any pitch in Portugal against any team. I don't know if I said this on the pod or if I just said this to myself, but when um. When Amorim took over and when Braga started running off the this run of results, I did say to myself, and I may have said it here on the pod, that Benfica are fortunate enough to advance in the Europa League. I want to avoid Braga at all costs. And my concern is justified in this match. I mean, what you saw there, Braga just incredibly efficient, super well organized. Okay, They gave up their chances. Benfica didn't capitalize and they punished them. That's what good teams do, especially on the road. They're a much better constructed side than Benfica in a sense that Benfica are younger. Okay, so so Braga are a more experienced side and they don't have any stars. You know, Trincao is their only, you know, really big blue chipper, the only guy that's going to sell for a fortune. Everybody else is just a really good, solid player. But as a team, they come together to make a very, very strong force. And had they not had such a bad start to the season in the league under Sapinto, I think this Braga team has the talent to have been champion this year. Fortunately for us, that didn't happen. But now we've got to go forward, okay? I'm not going to panic. Personally, I'm okay. I'm not ner too nervous yet about this, okay? There's 13 matches to play. We're in a better place than we were last year at this time. Got to keep that in mind, okay? We still got to play 13 matches. Porto has to play 13 matches. Porto do not have the quality in that squad, okay? to run off 13 straight wins, in my opinion, the way that they play. If they change something about the way they play, I may change my opinion. But Porto are at their best when they're emotionally invested, when they're using, when it's all about effort and work rate and intimidation and physicality. All that stuff's fine. That's when Porto's at its best, okay? Porto can't play like that every day. It's impossible, okay? They're going to wear. 
Okay, they have Europa League matches that I think that they're going to take very seriously to go as well. So they're going to play this week against Bayern Leverkusen, as Benfica are going to play Shakhtar Donetsk. Braga will face Rangers. Okay, so all there are four Portuguese teams remaining in the Europa League. I would like to see all four teams advance. I want Porto advance, not because I want them to advance, but I I want their fixture list to be conge- to be as congested as ours, um, because I think the way they play is more prone to fatigue than the way that we play. Okay, Benfica can't if they can. St- Yes, these players have a lot of miles or a lot of kilometers run in the last, and it's showing there's fatigue. But a couple of changes, you know, a little bit of freshening up on Thursday, giving a few guys a little recovery time, and I think this team can get its legs back. The way Porto play where they want contact and they want physicality, that's going to wear on a team more. So I'm not... I'm not confident that Porto are going to pull off 13 straight wins here, which would bring their total, I think, to where they would have won all 17, uh, all 17 matches in the second half of the season. That's what it's going to take for them to win the league because I think Benfica can get this thing right. I'm concerned about the next Benfica match on the road at Gil Vicente. We'll talk about that one. Um, I'll probably put a preview to that up sometime next week on the website on mrbenfica.com. Uh, episode 53 next week, we'll be, we'll be reviewing the Shakhtar match later this week on Thursday in the Ukraine. But Mefika have, you know, it's not getting any easier. They've got another 10 days or so uh, with four matches to play. After that, it lightens up a little bit. There's an international break coming up. There's a chance for the team to get its, its, its legs back and to get its momentum back. They just have to ride out this wave and have to come out of Barcelos with three points in in a week's time, uh, a week from tonight on Monday, February the 24th, they'll be in Barcelos up north playing against a tough Gil Vicente team that has already beaten the that has already beaten Porto. They've beaten Sporting, if I'm not mistaken. They have given some real hard. They drew Braga. They're the only team to take points off of this Braga team since Ruben Amorim took over. So that's going to be a tough game. But I think Lige can manage the minutes right. Then I think they're going to they're going to put a good effort in. And I don't think you can you're going to get this unlucky too many games in a row. That's that's the way I look at it, and I think Benfica have to go forward and have to be confident. They have no reason not to be confident. They're the defending champions. Um, and again, form is always just one good match away from changing completely. And momentum can can be picked up in one good match. Could even be Thursday in the Ukraine. Who knows? It's um who knows what Lige is gonna put on the field, okay? He's on the manager's under a lot of pressure right now. And um this is his first real <laughs> first real pressure situation as a manager, remember. His first job as a first team manager is at Benfica. Most guys start in the second division or they start at at you know, they start at Passos Ferreira or Tondela or a team like that, you know, a lot of them start even further back. They start further down the table, I should say. They start in the second division or in the Campeonat Nacional Seniors. Uh, Brutalage starts his his first team management career with Befica. This is his first run of bad form. This is his first test. We'll see what he can do. Um, we'll see if he can ride it out. We'll see if his 
his belief system holds true and if he sticks to it or if he he pivots from it and goes to something else um i think it's going to be interesting to watch these next 13 weeks all right let's hear from adel tarapt after the match talking to luis costa branco And no need for translation there as Adel Tarap speaking in perfectly good English explains what went wrong. He felt they had one of the best first halves that they've had all season. Um, I tend to agree. I thought that was a good first half, especially on the second watch. It was a very strong first half, just lacked the quality in front of goal and in the final touch. All right, so there was a, one other incident we do need to talk about. Um, post-match, Raul Silva taunts the Benfica. This, this is like hypocrisy at its best, and this really gets to me. You see when you watch the interview, you you see Raul Silva kneeling and, and, and praying, right? And as soon as he finishes and he crosses himself and he finishes his, his prayer, he turns to Benfica fans and starts and starts gesturing towards them, starts provoking them. And this sets some of the Benfica players off. People do not appreciate that and leads to what now has become the iconic image of who else but Andreas Samaris coming off the bench, getting in this punk's face and... Letting him know he will not disrespect our badge, our fans, and our house. Raul Silva would be sent off for his effort. The referee would send him off. What a stupid way to get sent off. What a way to hurt your team in the next game match. If I were Ruben Amorim, I would be absolutely livid with this with this fool for doing such a stupid thing. Um... Clearly, you can see he must have he has aspirations to join Porto. Clearly, he's he's taking into their antics, and uh, very good for Andrea Samaris for getting off the bench, getting in his face, and not allowing him to continue to disrespect us and to taunt us in our house. If every player on this team had the fire in their heart that Andreas Samaris has, if every team had the burning passion for this club that Andreas Samari has. He is honestly the biggest Benfica, at least in the way that he carries himself of any player on this team regardless of nationality. Man, I want this guy in the lineup in the worst way. I don't care how you have to make it happen, Lange. Get Andreas Samaris in the lineup. I've said it here. I think the most logical place to put him is at center back for now. Get him in there. Get him... Get some recovery, let him regain some confidence, let him regain some form, starting by resting and then playing his way back into the team through training. This is an experienced guy, a leader. This is the guy who should be wearing the captain's armband, match in and match out. It is Samadish. I said this last year when I was on this platform, on this podcast, calling to renew his contract. This is why I want Andreas Samaris on this team. Who else is going to stick up for our club? If he wasn't there, who was going to do it? All right. 
Bruno Lage, you have to make it happen. You have to get this guy more minutes. This guy bleeds for this club. He leaves it all out there. When he can't play, he does everything he can from the sidelines. When he's not even dressed and he's in the press box, uh, not in the press box, but in the luxury boxes, he's cheering from up there. He's he's suffering with the team. He's there with the team emotionally. This guy is too valuable to be squandered and to be rotted on the bench. And that is my rant. <laughs> When it comes to Andreas Samaris, thank you, Andreas Samaris. Let's go to the goal point, all right, as this episode is very lengthy now at this point. I'm going to wrap this up as quick as I can here. And we have the ratings starting for the victors from Braga, the Gredus. Mateusz in goal was a 7.1. He was their highest-rated player. The three-man back line, Wallace, 5.7. David Carmo, 5.5. Raul Silva, 5.2. Five across the middle, starting way on the right. Ricardo Isgayu, 5.8. Francesio, 5.7. Palinha, 6.4. And Cicada, 7.1. Very good job down the left flank for Cicada as Braga did not really attack Benfica's weaker side on the left. Perhaps that's due to Benfica closing it up. Or perhaps that's just due to the fact that Cicada was on such a tear in this game. And was able to get so much accomplished down the left. Um, Galenu was a 5.8. Ricardo Horta, 6.1. And Paulinho with a rare low 4.8 for the third leading scorer in the league. Now for... Oh, and off the bench, you got Trincão earning a 6.3 in his time off the bench. It's 20-some minutes that he played. Now, for Benfica, uh, Vlacodimos in goal, another 7.6, another stellar performance from the Greek international goalkeeper. This guy is just standing on his head this season. He is I said at the beginning of the season he was the second-best goalie in this league. Make no mistake anymore. Odie is the best goalkeeper in this league. He has surpassed Marquisine. He has improved immensely on coming out from goal. He's come out and cut out plays. He has lost some of that fear. Um, he could still be a little better with his feet, but hey, that's why they train. And I'd like to see him catch a little more, but it looks like the way that he's coached, it is, to, is simply to punch everything out on a cross as to not let it drop in front of him. The right back, Tomasz Tavarz, 4.5. Ruben Diaz with a 5.0. Ferru with a 5.6. An improved effort from Ferru. And um, I did also note that on the Fop Mobab, he was at a, a, I believe he was at a 7 for this match. A much better match for the young central defender. Grimaldo down the left was a 6.2. Cherry 5.7. Tarapt puts in, I guess what you'd call a man-of-the-match performance. He was the highest-rated player on the pitch with a 7.8. Weigel with a 5.5. Pizzi, 5.2. Rafa, 4.7. And Vinicius, 4.7. Off the bench, Seferovic and Chiquinho both earning a 5.0. In stats now, total shots, Benfica with 10. Braga with 12. On goal, Benfica 3. Braga 7. From inside the area, each team took 7 shots. Total passes, Benfica connected 486 passes, 80.2% efficiency to Braga's 403 passes with 76.4% efficiency. Vertical pass, Benfica with that edge as well, 6.4, sorry, 64.6% to 59% for Braga. 
Possession was also in Befica's favor, 555.0 to 45.0. Fouls committed. Benfica uh, with more fouls committed again for the second match in a row. 21-2, Braga's 16. Uh, duels won. Befica did win the duel battle slightly, 67-61. Befica with a, an unreal 20 crosses, most of them poor, sent into the box. While Braga had eight of their own. All right. Let's close the book on this. I've already said uh, my feelings on it. All right. I see some improvements. It's hard to see that in a loss. But when you're analyzing the match, when you're you're the manager, you have to find these things. When you're the in his staff, you have to find these things. I think Bruno Lage and his staff will find positives in this to build from. Um we cannot be blinded by the result despite how heavy of a defeat and how much this completely shifts the momentum and the power in the league to our rivals. But with 13 matches to play, let's go down the table. Benfica still in first place. 18 victories, 3 defeats, 54 points. Porto second now, only one back. 17 victories, 2 draws, and 2 defeats. Braga Third with 37 points. There are 11 victories, 4 draws, and 6 defeats. Sporting is 4th with 36, a point behind them. Fumley Cow now out of, Euro, out of the European places. They have 33 as they edge Hiwav in head-to-head to take 5th over Hiwav. 7th place is Santa Clara with 29 points. And then Bovista and Guimarães, 8th and 9th respectively with 28 each. Gil Vicente, our next opponents are 10th. They got 26th. Vitoria Stubal, 11th, also on 26th. Tondela and Maritimu each with 24. Morirense, 23 and 14th. is Sad, Code City, now coached by Petit. Move a little further from that relegation zone. They are 15th with 21 points. Passos de Freira are in 16th with... Sorry, on 16th with 16 points. They're one ahead of Portimonense, who are 17th on 15. And Avj still believing as they're three points from safety right now. They're bottom of the table with 13 points. Let's go to the leaders. Just We're just going to read the goal leaders this week. All right. Vinicius still the top scorer with 14. Pizzi still second with 12. Paulinho still second, still third, excuse me, with 9. But Sandro Lima of Gil Vicente has joined him now with 9. Sandro Lima with 3 goals from the spot. Paulinho none. Therefore, Paulinho holds on to third. Bruno Fernandes is fifth, even though he's no longer in the league, as we talk about every week. He's got 8. And then a whole host of players have 7. Um, a large amount of players with seven goals. Let's look at next week's fixtures now, okay? As we look at ahead to round 22 of the Liga Nage, starting on Friday, Avj host Vitória Guimarães, Saturday, Tondela host Rioav, Bulanes Sad host Maritimo, and then Sunday, Moreirense host Santa Clara, Passos Ferreira home to Famalicão, Sporting Clube Portugal are home against Boa Vista, Sporting Braga home against Vitoria Stubal. And Football Club do Porto have a chance to go into first place when they play Portimonense. They play before Benfica next week there on Sunday. Benfica playing Monday. They're the only Monday match. They're on the road at Gil Vicente. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have kept you long enough. 
Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. This has been Mr. Benfica. There's more stuff coming this way later in the week. Um, I would say early next week and somewhere in there you will see an ep- you will hear, I should say, an episode where I will review the upcoming match against Shakhtar Donetsk in the Europa League. But for now, that is all. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu, and I am signing off. Have a good week, everybody. Let's not give up the fight here. Let's remember, hashtag we are Benfica. We fight, hashtag Belo Benfica, hashtag Damu38. Goodbye, everybody.
chegou e agora vai arrasar A vitória é nossa e todo mundo vai vibrar A águia chegou e agora vai arrasar Vitória bem fica, todo mundo vai cantar Bem fica, vai pegar, bem fica, vai pegar A bola vai rolar, bem fica